welcome to another episode of 1001 Heroes, Legends, Histories, and Mysteries. This one, a St. Paddy's Day special from 1001 Heroes. The Irish have brought quite a bit of their legend, lore, heroes, and humor to America. And the month of March, being nearly bereft of any other notable holidays, allows us lots of time to celebrate. We really enjoy doing episodes like this one, where we can kick back and have a little fun. So in honor of our Irish brothers and sisters, who can take a joke as well as give it back, get ready for some real Irish humor and fun. Let's start with a Father Sullivan joke called The Penance. As soon as she had finished convent school, a bright young girl named Lena shook the dust of Ireland off her shoes and made her way to New York, where before long she became a successful performer in show business. Eventually she returned to her hometown for a visit and on a Saturday night went to confession in the church, which she had always attended as a child. In the confessional, Father Sullivan recognized her and began asking her about her work. She explained that she was an acrobatic dancer and he wanted to know what that meant. She said she'd be happy to show him the kind of things she did on stage. She stepped out of the confessional, and within sight of Father Sullivan, she went into a series of cartwheels, leaping splits, handsprings, and backflips. Kneeling near the confessional, waiting their turn, were two middle-aged ladies. They witnessed Lena's acrobatics with wide eyes, and one said to the other, "'Will you just look at the penance Father Sullivan has given out this night, and me without me bloomers on?' The next story is called Patty Adair. You know, we can't resist adding a little history to some of these stories. And here's the origin of the word Patty as it applies to the Irish and the meaning of Red Adair. First of all, Patty is a slang term for Irishman, sort of a pet form of the very common Irish name Patrick. The thinking there probably was that if you named your son after the very beloved St. Patrick, how could he ever go wrong? The term Paddy Wagon became popular as many police organizations were and still are run by the Irish. And the last thing you wanted to get hit with was the policeman's paddywhacker, which could knock you senseless with a flick of the wrist. Red Adair was the son of an Irish blacksmith and known worldwide as the man who knew how to cap oil well fires using explosives. The John Wayne movie Hellfighters was loosely based on the life and exploits of Red Adair. And now our story, Paddy Adair. It was the end of the Gulf War, the Arabs stared over at the oil fields and watched them burning. Day and night, the flames roared into the sky. The Arabs pondered on how they were going to put out the fires when one Arab suggested that they ring Red Adair. Red Adair was contacted, but informed the Arabs that he was busy for the next six months. He then told the Arabs that they should ring his cousin Paddy O'Dare from County Mayo in Ireland. The Arab got on the phone and contacted Paddy. The Arab explained the problem with the oil fields to Paddy and asked if he could help. Paddy replied, no problem. The Arab asked him how quick he could get there and how much it would cost. Paddy replied, I can be there in 10 hours and it'll cost you 10000 Great, said the Arab and hung up the phone. The Arabs waited in the desert, still watching the flames shooting into the sky, when all of a sudden an open-top truck with four Irishmen inside comes roaring over the sand dunes and heads straight into the oil field. The Arabs shouted, but to no avail, and the truck drove straight into one of the burning rigs. They jumped out, took off their denim jackets, and proceeded to beat the fire out with them. Then they walked over to the Arabs, and one said, Jesus, that was rough. The Arab, while writing the check for 10000 said to Paddy, 
and what are you going to buy with all this money? Patty replied, Well, the first thing I'm going to do is buy a set of brakes for that truck. And here's some bar humor. Somehow the rumor got around that the Irish like to drink. Now how do you like that? So a lot of Irish jokes carry bar humor. Two men were sitting next to each other at a bar. After a while, one guy looks at the other and says, I can't help but think, from listening to you, that you're from Ireland. The other guy responds proudly, Yes, that I am. The first guy says, So am I. Let's drink to that. And whereabouts from Ireland might you be? The other guy answers, I'm from Dublin, I am. The first guy responds, Sure, and Bigora, and so am I. Let's drink to that. And what street did you live on in Dublin? The other guy says, A lovely little area it was. I lived on McClary Street in the old central part of town. The first guy says, Faith, and it's a small world. So did I. Let's drink to that. And to what school would you have been going? The other guy answers, Well, now, I went to St. Mary's, of course. Now the first guy gets really excited and says, And so did I. Tell me, what year did you graduate? The other guy answers, Well, now, I graduated in 1964. The first guy exclaims, The good Lord must be smiling down upon us. Let's drink to that. I can hardly believe our good luck at winding up in the same bar tonight. Can you believe it? I graduated from St. Mary's in 1964, me own self. Let's drink to that. About this time, another guy walks into the bar, sits down, and orders a beer. The bartender walks over, shaking his head, and mutters, It's going to be a long night tonight. The guy asks, Why do you say that? The Murphy twins are drunk again. This obituary has gone viral. Irishman dies from stubbornness, comma, whiskey. The Quincy native apparently died stark naked, drinking vieuve in a house full of friends and family. A Quincy native's passion for life was documented in a colorful obituary that has gone viral after his death from stage 4 pancreatic cancer. The obituary of Chris Connors, titled Irishman Dies from Stubbornness, Whiskey was posted Wednesday on Seacoast Online. And if that didn't entice you to read more, this opening paragraph might do the trick. Chris Connors died at age 67 after trying to box his bikini-clad hospice nurse just moments earlier. Connors died as he lived, by his own rules. Connors was stark naked drinking view in a house full of friends and family as Al Green played from the speakers, according to the obituary. Connors was a Golden Gloves boxer who surprised folks by landing a job on Wall Street without a financial background. He gave up his job as a bond trader for an investment bank and moved to Maine after he lost his brother and many friends in the 9-11 attacks, according to information posted on the Chris Connors Fund, a website set up to raise money for the York Water Rescue Program he had helped to begin. His loved ones remember him as a ladies' man, game slayer, and outlaw who loved a well-made fire and mashed potatoes with lots of butter. Oh, and swimming in the ocean in January. Connors founded the Quincy Rugby Club. At age 26, he tried to sail around the world, but instead wound up spending 40 hours in a life raft off the coast of Panama. At age 64, he climbed Mount Everest. A night out with Connors ended either in jail or with a hangover, the obituary says. He was an accomplished hunter. He once suffered a knife injury while saving a woman from a mugging in New York City. The obituary continues. 
He was the type of man that people would drive 16 hours at the drop of a dime to come see. He lived 1,000 years in the 67 calendar years we had with him because he attacked life. He grabbed it by the lapels, kissed it, and swung it back onto the dance floor. One of his biggest regrets in life? Eating a rotisserie hot dog from an unmemorable convenience store in the summer of 1986. Connors, who lived in York, Maine, is survived by his wife, Emily Ayer Connors. Connors was also a father, or, as the obituary puts it, a birth control device tester with some failures, notably Caitlin Connors, 33, Chris Connors, 11, and Liam Connors, 8. He cherished nights in front of the fire with his family. It was a rare combination of someone who had a love of life and a firm understanding of what was important, the simplicity of living a life with those you love. The write-up concludes by saying, Absolute Vodka and Simply Orange companies are devastated by the loss of Connors. This next one is an old Irish classic called Never Felt Better. And according Killarney, deep in Munster, Ireland, this conversation is reported to have taken place. Lawyer. At the scene of the accident, Mr. O'Shea, did you tell the guard officer that you had never felt better in your life? O'Shea the farmer. That's right, sir. Lawyer. Well then, Mr. O'Shea, how is it that you are now claiming you were seriously injured when my client's car hit your cart? O'Shea the farmer. When the guard arrived, he went over to my horse, who had a broken leg, and shot him. Then he went over to Darcy, my dog, who was badly hurt, and shot him. Then the policeman came across the road, gun still in hand, looked at me and said, How are you feeling? I just thought under the circumstances, it was a wise choice of words to say, I've never felt better in my life. And here's a few to share with your pals. One night, Mrs. McMillan answers the door to see her husband's best friend, Patty, standing on the doorstep. Hello, Patty, but where's my husband? He went with you to the beer factory. Patty shook his head. Ah, Mrs. McMillan, there was a terrible accident at the beer factory. Your husband fell into a vat of Guinness stout and drowned. Mrs. McMillan started crying. Oh, don't tell me that. Did he at least go quickly? Patty shook his head. Not really. He got out three times to pee. An Irishman was flustered not being able to find a parking space in a large mall's parking lot. Lord, he prayed, I can't stand this. If you open a space up for me, I swear I'll give up drinking me whiskey, and I promise to go to church every Sunday. Suddenly, the clouds parted and the sun shone on an empty parking spot. Without hesitation, the man said, Never mind, I found one. Two paddies were working for the city public works department. One would dig a hole and the other would follow behind him and fill the hole in. They worked up one side of the street, then down the other, then moved on to the next street, working furiously all day without rest, one man digging a hole, the other filling it again. An onlooker was amazed at their hard work, but couldn't understand what they were doing, so he asked the hole digger, I'm impressed by the effort you two are putting into your work, but I don't get it. Why do you dig a hole only to have your partner follow behind and fill it up again? The hole digger wiped his brow and sighed. Well, I suppose it probably looks odd because we're normally a three-person team. But today the lad who plants the trees called in sick. Here's a question for you. What's the difference between God and Bono? Answer? God doesn't wander around Dublin thinking he's Bono. And another. 
Billy stops Patty in Dublin and asks for the quickest way to Cork. Patty says, Are you on foot or in the car? Billy says, In the car. Patty says, That's the quickest way. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Patty and Mick are walking down the road, and Patty's got a bag of donuts in his hand. Patty says to Mick, If you can guess how many donuts are in my bag, you can have them both. I'll never forget the evening I heard Finnegan's Wake performed in a local Irish pub. It was a place... I think it was called the White Horse Pub, and they sponsored an open mic night for the guitar crowd every Wednesday night, and the men and women who came there would gather in a circle and in turn play and sing the old songs in the country, folk, and bluegrass traditions. The Irish have a hand in a lot of great old folk tunes, and the song Finnegan's Wake is no exception. As most of you know, a wake is a gathering of well-wishers at the home of the deceased, who, in years gone by anyway, was laid out on a tabletop dressed in their finest, as the folks paid their respects. And often, if it was the wish of the family, with a lot of drinking and merriment, the thinking being that old Patty wished to be remembered with happiness for the good times they had all shared together. After the success of James Joyce's last novel, Finnegan's Wake, in the mid-19th century, someone took it upon themselves to dedicate a comical ballad to it, and the song Finnegan's Wake was born, with different artists adding verses to it as it grew. In the ballad, the hod carrier Tim Finnegan, born with a love for the liquor, falls from a ladder, breaks his skull, and is thought to be dead. The mourners at his wake become rowdy and spill whiskey over Finnegan's corpse, causing him to come back to life and join in the celebrations. Whiskey causes both Finnegan's fall and his resurrection. The word whiskey, wouldn't you know, the Irish invented it, is derived from the Gaelic-Irish phrase Ishka Biaha. There's one likely you didn't know, meaning water of life. A Texan walks into a pub in Ireland and clears his voice to the crowd of drinkers. He says, I hear you Irish are a bunch of hard drinkers. I'll give 500 American dollars to anybody in here who can drink 10 pints of Guinness back to back. The room is quiet. No one takes up the Texan's offer. One man even leaves. Thirty minutes later, the same gentleman who left shows back up and taps the Texan on the shoulder. Is your bet still good? asks the Irishman. The Texan says yes and asks the bartender to line up ten pints of Guinness. Immediately, the Irishman tears into all ten of the pint glasses, drinking them all back to back. The other pub patrons cheer as the Texan sits in amazement. The Texan gives the Irishman the 500 and says, If you don't mind me asking... Where did you go for that 30 minutes you were gone? The Irishman replies, Oh, I had to go to the pub down the street to see if I could do it first. And another one. An Irish priest is driving down to New York and gets stopped for speeding in Connecticut. The state trooper smells alcohol on the priest's breath and then sees an empty wine bottle on the floor of the car. He says, Sir, have you been drinking? Just water, says the priest. The trooper says, Then why do I smell wine? The priest looks at the bottle and says, 
Good Lord, he's done it again. Gallagher opened the morning newspaper and was dumbfounded to read in the obituary column that he had died. He quickly phoned his best friend, Finney. Did you see the paper? asked Gallagher. They say I died. Yes, I saw it, replied Finney. Where are you calling from? Father Murphy walks into a pub in Donegal and says to the first man he meets, Do you want to go to heaven? The man said, I do, Father. The priest said, Then stand over there against the wall. Then the priest asked the second man, Do you want to go to heaven? Certainly, Father, was the man's reply. Then stand over there against the wall, said the priest. Then Father Murphy walked up to O'Toole and said, Do you want to go to heaven? O'Toole said, No, I don't, Father. The priest said, I don't believe this. You mean to tell me that when you die you don't want to go to heaven? O'Toole said, Oh, when I die, yes. I thought you were getting a group together to go on a trip right now. And here's a good one. As Father Fitzgerald was walking down the street in Dublin, he spied across the way young Michael Donovan, a small boy living in his parish. Michael was at the door of a home across the street, attempting to push the doorbell. But young Michael is on the short side, and the doorbell was simply too high for him to reach, no matter how hard he stretched. Father watched young Michael stretch and strain toward the bell for a short time, but the bell drew no closer to the small child's fingers. Father Fitzgerald strode quickly across the street, ending up directly behind Michael standing at the door. While gently placing his hand on the small child's shoulder, the good man of God bent lower and gave the doorbell a good, hard ring. Then, squatting down lower to young Michael's height, Father Fitzgerald smiled knowingly and asked, "'And now what, my young man?' "'Now, Father,' replied Michael, grinning, "'now we run!' And here's some good epitaphs. Here lies the body of Jonathan Blake, stepped on the gas instead of the brake. And another. Here lies an atheist, all dressed up and no place to go. And here's three Irish truths. A true Irishman considers a bore to be someone who keeps constantly interrupting. A true Irishman considers anyone who won't come around to his point of view to be hopelessly stubborn. A true Irishman has so much respect for the truth that he uses it only in emergencies. And this one. The three elderly Gallagher sisters have never married. They go everywhere together, and they are hard of hearing. One windy spring day as they are walking down the streets of Dublin, Mary Elizabeth says, Phew! It is sure windy today. Molly replies, No, no. Today is Thursday. Kathleen says, So am I. Let's find a bar. And this blessing... May the love and protection St. Patrick can give be yours in abundance as long as you live. T'was late one Saturday night when the local Garda, police officer, spied Timothy Carroll driving in quite a meandering fashion along the streets of County Cork. After pulling him over, the policeman asked O'Carroll if he'd been drinking that night. Who told on me? asked Timothy. Well, so I have, Ossifer, so I have, continued the thoroughly drunk O'Carroll. It's Saturday night, you know. Me and me lads, we made a stop by the pub, but I only had six or seven pints, that's all. But then they had something called happy hour during which they served these delicious margaritos or margaritas. Anyway, they are quite good. I had four, no, five of those. Then I had promised to drive O'Hara, me friend, home, and he invited me in. Well, I had to go in for a couple pints of Guinness. 
I really couldn't be rude now, Ossifer, could I? Of course, on the way home, I stopped to get another pint for later. At that point, Timothy began fumbling around inside his coat and suddenly lifted up a bottle of whiskey for the guard to inspect. The policeman gave a deep sigh, saying, Sir, you will need to step out of the vehicle to take a breathalyzer. Indignantly, O'Carroll replied, Why? Don't you believe me? And here's an old Irish saying, Life is not measured by the number of breaths we take, but by the moments that take our breath away. And this one, Some days you're the dog, other days the hydrant. And here's a limerick. There was once an old man of lime who married three wives at a time. When asked, why a third? He replied, one's absurd, and bigamy, sir, is a crime. Brian O'Connell drives a double-decker bus through the streets of Dublin. One day a very drunk Timothy Fogarty climbed aboard Brian's bus, taking a seat on the bottom deck near Brian. As you may or may not know, Brian is required not to allow any drinks onto his bus, but today he was rather light-hearted, so he decided to let the inebriated Fogarty remain on board. As is his wont when he's had a few, Timothy began talking a mean streak, which made Brian suggest that Timothy should sit on the upper deck. The air up there is clean and fresh, and you'll get a much improved view, encouraged Brian. Fogarty agreed and stumbled his way up top. However, he returned in only a few minutes. What's wrong? Brian asked. Didn't you like it better up there? Timothy replied, It's okay, but it's too dangerous. Too dangerous, queried Brian. How is that? There's no driver, answered Fogarty. John O'Reilly hoisted his beer and said, Here's to spending the rest of me life between the legs of me wife. That won him the top prize at the pub for the best toast of the night. He went home and told his wife, Mary, I won the prize for the best toast of the night. She said, Aye, did you now? And what was your toast? John said, Here's to spending the rest of me life sitting in church beside me wife. Oh, that is very nice indeed, John, Mary said. The next day, Mary ran into one of John's drinking buddies on the street corner. The man chuckled leeringly and said, John won the prize the other night at the pub with a toast about you, Mary. She said, Aye, he told me, and I was a bit surprised myself. You know, He's only been in there twice in the last four years. Once I had to pull him by the ears to make him come, and the other time he fell asleep. Two Irishmen, Kearney and O'Rourden, were looking at the mail-order catalog and admiring the models. Kearney remarks to O'Rourden, Have you seen the beautiful girls in this catalog? O'Rourden replies, Yes, they are very beautiful. And look at the price. Kearney says with white eyes, Wow, they aren't very expensive. At this price, I'm buying one. O'Rourden smiles and pats him on the back. Good idea. Order one, and if she's as beautiful as she is in the catalog, I'll get one too. Three weeks later, Kearney, the youngest of the two, asks his friend O'Rourden, Did you ever receive the girl you ordered from that catalog? O'Rourden replies with a glint in his eye, No, but it shouldn't be long now. She sent all her clothes yesterday. Thanks for joining us at 1001 Heroes, Legends, Histories, and Mysteries. You can catch all our shows at iTunes Podcast, Stitcher.com, Podbay.fm, Audioboom.com, and wherever podcasts are listened to. This is your host and storyteller, John Hagedorn, and this is our story. 
our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. 